This is the Casting Lots podcast, and you're listening to Casting Lots. We will not comply with the institution's sick illusion. No, it won't be televised. Welcome to the revolution. Been telling lies. If you're not with us, you better step aside. Witnessing the genocide, everything is centralized. The food that we consume and explaining it all with pesticides. Easily identify the sheep and the snake, the real and the fake. Giving us a reason to pray. I'ma make my own choices. A voice for the voiceless. They trying to destroy us, avoiding the poison. It's all pointless if you don't have a purpose. If you read the verses, you'll know who we versing. Government can tell you what your worth is. Look deeper than the surface. They don't even want you researching or asking questions. We all being tested. Shh. Shut your mouth, they comply, that's the message. Want you to rest on prescriptions that mess with your head. Got you stressing, suppressing expression. We will not comply with the institution's sick illusion. No, it won't be televised. Welcome to the revolution. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Today is Saturday, March 4th, 2023, and this is episode nine of the Casting Lots podcast. Thank you all for uh, joining us here tonight. And we've got um, the Little Red Rocking Chair with us here. So excited to have her on the show with us. Um, and we've got a good show tonight. I'm sure you've all been following all this crazy stuff going on in the news with Ohio. So we're really going to, you know, kind of do a deep dive into that tonight. Um, crazy. If you start piecing everything together, it's just, um, it's crazy. So, um, before we get started, I'm just going to go ahead and open us in a quick word of prayer because Lord knows we need him, uh, especially in these crazy days. So if you would, please just bow your heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly tonight to thank you for all of the many blessings that you have given us in all of our lives, Lord, for all the amazing people, uh, for Laura being on the show, um, and, and for Matt eating his orange, and for everybody that's listening tonight live and those who will listen later on. Um, I just ask that the Lord be with all of us here um, and just continue guiding us and protecting us through these crazy trying times. Um, and for whoever's meant to hear this message tonight, Lord, uh, whether it be tonight or sometime next week or even a year from now, I just pray that uh, whatever message you have for me to give out, um, that the ears that need to hear it will hear this message, Lord. Um, again, just please be with us and guide us and give us the courage and the discernment that we need to to make it through these, these times, Lord. Um, we thank you so very much for sending us your son to die for all of our sins, Lord. Um, and we truly, we thank you for, for all of the blessings that we have. Um, for those who are hurting tonight, Lord, we ask that you just be with them and put your, your loving arms around them. Uh, for those that may be sick or struggling um, mentally, Lord, just please be with them and, and guide them to, through this journey. And for those who don't know you yet, Lord, that we can 
plant those seeds so that we can help bring those people to you, Lord, because we know they're all searching for you. Um, and we just pray that we can be the messengers for you, Lord. Um, be with us tonight, and uh, thank you for everything. In your son Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. All right. So, Laura, are you there? I'm here. Hey, how's it going? It's going pretty good. I'm way past my bedtime, though, girl. <laughs> I know. I was upstairs earlier. We, we lit a fire, and uh, I asked Matt to come sit down beside me for just a minute, and within three minutes, he was out. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like okay well hopefully he wakes up for the show tonight he was like a little kid trying to wake him up just five more minutes <laughs> oh goodness so how have you been i'm doing good how about y'all we're good we had a busy day today uh we took the kids to church they're doing one of those grand prix with the little wooden cars and oh, i've never man. done this before and okay. so the pastor was there the youth pastor and he was helping the kids with their cars and I'm just like, what do you do? It's just a block with some wheels that you got to put together. And I'm like, I've never done this. And it's got to be a certain weight and, you know, all this. So um, they're excited. We, and then after that, we took them to Hobby Lobby to get some paints and some decals and things like that. So the race is next weekend. And I'm just excited to, you know, have the kids be a part of that. You know, something they'll remember. Matt, you said you did that when you were younger, right? Yeah. Yeah. Shop classes. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done it, but... I don't know if is it a church thing or I mean no it's something we used to do in high school in high actual school or middle school actually started so oh interesting yeah it, it seems fun uh, they were you know using the power tools they had a, a drill saw all this other stuff sandpaper and I'm just like all right go to town so have you ever heard um, Jeff Foxworthy's bit the comedian on uh, tools from the 60s 70s and 80s no, have you that? He talks about the the soldering kit, which had like a two inch cord, and you always plugged it in next to the curtains in the living room. And <laughs> it, it, it's like that's what it, you know. If most people, when you heard when they hear what you did with the with the kids today, would be freaking out. It's like, what? You let them have power tools? Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, my son, my oldest when my dad comes in, they're always doing projects. And so my dad, you know, he always gets the kids involved. And uh, when they were doing the, the cars earlier, Caden was like, mom, it smells just like when Papa comes here and we're cutting the wood. I love the smell of, of fresh cut oh, wood. I it's just so, and burnt wood too, being up there in the fireplace, burning wood. It's just, it, it's just, I love it. Yeah. my. But uh, yeah. My heaven forbid you let your kids like do something a little dangerous and learn how to, you know, handle tools at a young age. Oh, yeah. What what are you thinking, you crazy woman? Uh, right, yeah, that's child abuse. But it's okay if you want to cut off their genitals. That's okay. That's totally okay. See, that's totally logical to me. I don't understand yeah. why people don't get that. Also, <laughs> yeah. I, so I told yeah, you I, I am full of snark, and the later it gets, the snarky I get. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Get through this. Okay. Did you all just oh. go through Did you just get into the weenie sniffing thing? Yeah. Yes. We were just started talking about it. And look at you join. What, you want to join in on that, Douglas? Oh, no. I just wanted to butt in and go, you had to go to the weenie snipping thing. Well, we just want to get it out of the way, man. Just move Well, on. People, have been put, people have been talking about it long enough. I mean, there's a, it's a serious issue. Um, but what are we going to do about it? I mean, 
other than storming the hospitals and everything that we're doing it. Yeah. Earlier today on Facebook, a, a mom had posted. So there's a lady in our in our uh, area, and she's a very Christian woman. She's homeschooling her kids. She does home churches out of her basement. Um, you know, she's she's a patriot. You know, she's she's a, a Jesus lover, and so uh, she's the one that's always fighting these drag shows. And so they've kicked her out of the local mom's Facebook page because they don't like her hate-filled rants. And so uh, she was going door to door, like with flyers, just like Jesus is coming, Jesus saves here, you know, all this information. Well, they're always picking on her, like constantly picking on this woman. Well, she had her kids out, I guess, today, um, handing out flyers. And so, you know, the mean moms come on Facebook and they're posting about, you know, how dare she let her kids do this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, well, it could be worse. I said, they could be pretending to be the opposite gender and, you know, transitioning. And boy, I started a cat fight on Facebook and I didn't even respond. I just let the, the women say, how hateful, how could you say that, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, Lord, handle it. <laughs> but I did have a lot of people like it too. And that's the problem is that we're always bullied into being quiet about it. And when somebody stands up for it, all of a sudden now we're the mean people. And I didn't even say anything that wasn't true. I didn't call anybody names. I just spoke the truth and they don't like it. So truth, you're not shutting me up. Oh, I don't see how possible. And if they tried to, you'd whip out the flamethrower and they'd be all done. Yeah. If I could have a flamethrower and I just walk through this town, <laughs> we straighten things up quickly around here. <laughs> well, you do. You just said you love the smell of burning wood. So it exactly. Kind of yeah. yeah. But you know what, though? Jesus is bringing the fire this time. You know, they, oh, yeah. they had Jesus and they wanted the, what is uh, Steve always, there's Joseph been, or Jesus been Joseph and Jesus been David. And they were looking for for Jesus been David and he's coming. He's bringing the fire this time and they're not going to be ready for it. So, but I'll, I'll help Jesus. I'll get a head start if he wants me to. He just has to say the word. <laughs> That's awesome, man. <laughs> man, he's just shaking his head like, what did I get myself into? You don't want me with the flamethrower. Hey, Matt, you married her. You knew. You married her. Uh, fire's remorse. Hey, no, <laughs> no returns. No refunds, no returns. No expiration date on this one, man. That's right. Yep. That's cool. Exactly. I, I just wanted to I just wanted to tell you directly, Matt, that I really enjoyed the show last week where you shared. That was really awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh my husband is an army vet and so I could certainly relate to all that you were sharing. I was not married to him at the time. Uh, I basically robbed the cradle. He just had been out and, then, you know, I've got about almost a decade on him. So, you know, uh, but I kind of live with the aftermath, which is what a little bit of what you were sharing. So I really appreciated you doing that because it's really, it's not something that a lot of veterans will share that openly. And I think we need to understand it better so that we can build relationships and go through that healing together. So that was awesome, dude. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's not something that everybody wants to talk about. And um, I don't know, maybe five years ago I wouldn't have talked about it, but now it's just kind of like me. Well, that's just it. You've come a long way. You know, it was rough when he first got back from Iraq. I mean, we we had some rough times, you know, and uh, I feel that you know you you've obviously 
you've grown up a lot, you've matured a lot and having kids, I think too, um, and support, you've got a lot of support in your life, which many of these veterans don't. And, uh, I got oranges. Don't even get me started on these oranges. This man <laughs> eats four oranges a day. Well, is that why he's so healthy then? All that vitamin C? That's right. Yes. This is true. <laughs> well, there you go. My mom was, uh, couldn't eat a lot when I was, uh, when she was pregnant with me and she ate saltines and oranges and I love both of them. So <laughs> of course nowadays I will say that Matt could have children, but I'm just saying that, you know, I can feel, I, I, uh, I can uh, identify with your love of, of citrus. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love the taste of it, but my body does not like it. I have such bad acid reflux. Anytime I have anything, it's just, nope. Oh. Mm -hmm. It's weird what one person can eat without any problems and the next person just, it totally turns them inside out. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, and there's people that, you know, supposed to eat all this healthy stuff and then you try and eat that healthy stuff and it just doesn't work for you. So, you know, I just like my butter and bacon. I'm good with that. Yeah. Well, you know, if you do keto, you can have all the butter and bacon you want. Well, hello. That's one of the things that I love doing keto because you can have all those fats. I mean, you shouldn't be eating bacon times a day every day, but, no. uh, you know, it's all the high fat foods. And yep. so it's like, oh, when I was doing keto, I was like, I can have me some bacon and some butter, real butter, not that margarine, that oh. yuck. No, we don't want to eat no, that, kind, eat of that kind of stuff. That's nasty. Nasty. All nasty. Chemicals, man. And you can taste the difference too. And Scott always talks about the the Irish butter. And I bought some and with some pumpernickel bread, but the bread was not good. Not what I remembered. I'm like, mm. I got it from Aldi, and it just did not taste what I remember pumpernickel tasting like. But the butter was good. <laughs> so now you put it on your sourdough you made. Exactly, and that sourdough, I could not believe. It. I was like, oh, this is going to be gross. Watch, and then I. Oh man, which uh, Douglas, that reminds me, I need your address, sir, so I could send you that bread. Is he still here with us? I think he muted himself. Well, if you hear this, Douglas, I'm going to need your address so I can send it to you. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, I've seen it. I'm going to get it to you. All right. Well, it's going to go bad or get eaten, one of the two. I'll go there right now. <laughs> Wait a minute. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> so, all right. So, talking, Everett, he's ahead of the show. Look at him. Okay, so, yes, today there was another train derailment in Ohio. This was in Springfield, Ohio, not too far from my dad, and I think he's here. Um, and so, there was, uh, a, of course, another train derailment, and Hazmat crews were heading to this train derailment and they said it was approximately 20 train cars and there's a video on here there's not a whole lot of, of you know talking but you can just see it so i'll have to share this on my channel but um it says currently a larger emergency response along with hazmat crews are underway to a massive train derailment in springfield ohio this was just today a few hours ago and so we know what happened in east palestine and you know we still don't know all all the the truth about what happened over there with the water and the land and everything. Um, and we just keep seeing all these different um, happening in Ohio, right? And 
it's just really, really coincidental. There's a whole lot of things here. I'm going to play this video real quick. It's about two and a half minutes. And it talks about Ohio being the first 15-minute city in the United States. So yeah, I'm going to yeah, real quick. Are you looking to sell your home and avoid the hassles of listing with a broker? Of course, there's going to be an ad. <laughs> Well, At Swift Homes, we've got you. All right, here we go. Mayor Bibb introduced the idea of being the first 15-minute city in the United States. He did this in his State of the City address last night. The urban planning model is new, but city planners told our Sarah Shookman the time is now to tap into federal dollars to address some of Cleveland's deeper problems. Imagine a Cleveland where everything you need is less than 15 minutes away. It's this ideal planning framework where human needs and desires are accessible within a 15-minute walk, bicycle ride, or transit trip. And that's really what we're striving for in this new planning model. City planner Matt Moss says it doesn't have to be a dream. Instead of a concrete jungle where people work and separate places where people live, in a 15-minute city, everything is closer. It's starting out with the city we have now and then asking residents how they might want community to grow or change in ways that, again, make things more accessible or provide them with more opportunities to access the things they want to get to in their day-to-day -day lives. First, planners are making a list of what's there, things like grocery stores, parks, schools, but also workplaces. In some neighborhoods, it's more quality that's lacking due to busted sidewalks or lack of bike lanes or bus stops. In others, whether it's green space or food justice, they're lacking altogether. The problem isn't that we just don't have a store. It's sort of like, well, why don't we have a store? and we need to dig under and get at the roots of that problem. Case Western professor Darcy Friedman directs the Swetland Center for Environmental Health. Her research has shown addressing nutrition equity can start a strategy change. Because unless people have the ability to eat a healthy, nutritious meal every day, I don't know how we can talk about people being prepared to you know, go into our education systems or get the best job available for them. Along with building, the city says changes to zoning restrictions and development incentives are likely necessary. Friedman urges community members to make sure they're at the table. Not just asking, demanding to say, where is the space for us to inform what this looks like? Those opportunities for participation are coming, the city says, noting that the payoff here is a greener, more sustainable city with more solidarity between neighbors. But let's be real, this change will not happen overnight. Laura, city planners say the timing is right, though, with funding from federal infrastructure bill and some other sources. And we will keep you updated as to how we can all weigh in. All right, I know you will. Sarah Shookman live for us tonight. Sarah, thanks. So 15-minute cities, right? And they're talking about the new Green Deal and the infrastructure. The wait is almost over. The countdown that, uh, to the 2023 auto show begins. Come see oh, us Lord. and check out. This still going. Uh, yeah, so all this infrastructure money, right? Well, where's it all going? We don't know where it's at, but I'm pretty sure we can take a guess where they're trying to put it. And it just so happens that uh, there's an article I read here from January 20th of this year. Ohio regulators set public hearing for proposed solar farm on Bill Gates' property. So it says state regulators have scheduled a public hearing in Madison County on what would be one of the largest solar farms in the country on land owned mostly by Bill Gates. So, you know, Scott has talked about on his show how these um, 
you know, these governments want to, you know, if the, if the land is no good, they can just come in and take the land away from you, right? So then they're, they are going to buy it up for pennies on the dollar, push everybody. And, and to the, <laughs> well, thank you, Douglas. Uh, push everybody into these, uh, these 15 minute cities, right? Where it's all green and renewable and this and that. And I just saw something yesterday, an article, it was from Ford or two days ago. And it said that Ford, these electric vehicles will not now have the ability to drive themselves back to the dealership if you miss payments. And you know what else they're going to do if you don't get their jab, if you don't follow the rules, you got a bad social credit, they're going to be able to take your car from you. And when you're in 15 minute cities, they're going to say, well, what do you need? A car for you got everything within walking distance and i don't know if any of you followed australia during uh covid but they had it you know i don't know what they call them there they're not states provinces or whatever they are yeah well there they weren't allowed to leave their province during covid they had to stay put during covid they were not allowed to cross that border what do you think is going to happen when you have these 15 minute cities you know, they're going to be charging you to go to leave your city to go somewhere else, you know, because it's going to be, you know, you're you're leaving your carbon footprint somewhere. You know, it, it's just really if, if you take all the pieces and you put them together, it's very obvious what's going on. There's no these are not accidents that keep happening. Uh, why all of a sudden are all these trains being derailed? You know, uh, you want to talk about infrastructure. Well, if you wanted all this money for infrastructure and you're saying this is why these trains are being derailed. Why aren't you putting that money to these, these you know, train tracks and, and everything else? Yeah, car vending machines. We have one of those in Chicago. We saw one the other day, and I was like, what is this? It's like a claw for uh, vehicles. You buy them right there from, you don't even need to go to a car dealership anymore. It'll just return to the, the car vending machine. I mean, this world is crazy. And it's going to get crazier. Oh, Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the things about these infrastructure bills that Congress has passed in the last two or three years is most of that quote, infrastructure funding doesn't kick in for two to three to even five years. Mm -hmm. And so it's like we have the money. So by the time it's uh, whoever's getting paid off in Congress, the time it's supposed to be when these uh projects are going to be started, there'll be no money left. And they are assuming nobody's going to pay attention because most of the time we have it in the past. And so if it, we're being corralled, we're being corralled into places where they think they can have more control. And so what we have to do is be that rogue horse or a cow that just jumps the fence and gets out of there we can we have to become ungovernable and, yes uh, and a governor is something you put on a piece of equipment to control it and i'm not a piece of an equipment and i don't listen to no governor so it it's it's a it's a mindset you know we've been indoctrinated i got a few years on y'all and we've got, we've been indoctrinated for so long that we don't even know how indoctrinated we are until something gets really in our face and sometimes it's too late and sometimes we're not as effective as we could be in resisting it because we weren't paying attention. So it's important that we pay attention to everything. But the key thing 
is that not only do we stay local in this fight, we build our own tribe, whatever that is, whoever that is, and we keep focusing on Christ because he will not, you know, it says in uh, Proverbs, I believe, or no, that's in Psalm that uh, I've been old. David said, I've been old, young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous begging for bread. So that just our most basic needs will always be met as long as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. And when, Amen. We do that, yes. all the, when we do that, all this other stuff becomes background noise. And while we hear it and it registers, we don't focus on it. And exactly. I've got, yeah, I've got groups and I got, I got a good bunch of great people in my area and they just get on something like a bulldog and tear it up. And then they move on to the next thing. And I uh, had one of them call me and, and was complaining about, I had a bid for $1,000 to fix my garage door with the the uh, the thing that it comes on. Come on, guys, help me out here. The, the track? tracks. Thank you. The tracks uh, were coming off and all. He quoted me $1,000. I said, wait a minute. What? And she is a gold star Air Force widow. Right, and her husband died because of the burn pits over in um, in Iraq, I think it was. And I said, "Wait a minute, why are you getting someone else to help you?" And she says, "Well, I've got to." Do I said, "Wait a minute, what about the rest of our group? We got, we got, we'll come over there and fix it. You just buy the parts." And she was just flummoxed because she never even thought to ask. Aww. She's an hour away. She's an hour away from me, roughly. And she's and there's a bunch of us that are even closer than that. And I was just like, this is what it's all about. She we care for the widows and the orphans. And she qualifies for that. And that just just the fact that we love her and we want to take care of her, that's why we will do this kind of thing. And I said, one of them one a couple of the guys came over and helped us finish our shed. Why can't we just all go over there and fix your garage? You know, you know, let's have a potluck. I said, you feed them. Tell, uh, trust me, they'll come. Yeah, well, that's just it. You know, we need more of that. We need more community. We don't have that anymore. We live in a subdivision and, you know, we're not too, I mean, we're close enough to our neighbors, but nobody really knows anybody. Nobody, you know, if you need to borrow a cup of sugar, you can't just go next door anymore. They call the police on you for loitering, you know? <laughs> yeah, sad but true. Yeah, and, and who wants to get involved with police because, you know, they're corporate security guys in a uniform, you know, yep. and they're, and it, their, their loyalty is not to serving the public, it's to serving the people who pay them. And so yeah, it's, it's not what we used to think of 30, 40 years ago with the friendly cop, you know, officer friendly, that's not the case anymore, if it ever was. And right. so we we have to build our own tribes and your tribe may not be solely believers it may be people of different flavors of faith it may be just people who believe the way you do but you can model christ to them while you build that tribe and that's I right and you may bring them to christ while doing so there it is and when we have, when we get together and have meetings or phone calls or whatever we do, we always open and close in prayer. And nobody, and not everybody is a believer, 
but we all they all amen at the end because everyone knows we cannot just rely on human endeavor we have to rely on father god to give us the wisdom and like jeff was talking about earlier tonight listen to the direction of the holy spirit and walk where he tells you to walk that's right and so i ever wake up every day and i'm just like lord just send me wherever you need me, you know, guide me. You know, we we leave everything to our own understanding. I know my life is a mess. If I if I think I know what's best for me, but that little voice inside your head, that to me, that's the Holy Spirit talking to you and telling you what you need to do. And if you listen, if you really put everything aside and you listen to the voice, it will never lead you astray. Mine always leads me to work. Well, you need to go to work. <laughs> Well, it's better than leading other places, so that's good too. That's, that's true. right, like the bar. <laughs> mm -hmm. It is so easy to take things in the world and rely on them because we get bombarded with that. Um, the smartest people I know don't have television. <laughs> you know, they sure. haven't been programmed all their lives, and what. The, the difference that makes when you are home with your your children and your spouse and you're doing things together like like what y'all were doing with the kids today and building the we used to call it soapbox derby but i remember doing that and that's fun as all get out and especially if you have a crafty dad in the group you know somebody who knows how to work all the tools and you know, put something together, it won't fall apart halfway down the hill. That's so awesome. And everybody wants to hang with that dad and, and, you know, that kind of community and neighborhood and all of that is, is a little, it's a mirage nowadays. It's like a lost art to bring families and neighbors together. And yeah. we, we, um, we were impacted by hurricane Michael for year, almost five years ago. And, um, that made us i've had i've been in about i think i lost count 20 25 hurricanes growing up in florida and that was the weirdest oh i almost said an un-jesus word that was the weirdest hurricane i've ever been in and the what so what we it was it was crazy afterwards it was very uh dystopian you know, to walk out and see total utter destruction everywhere and um it happened in october which was a weird time anyway it was late in the season and so the next month was thanksgiving so i said well i'm thankful my house is still standing my roof is not leaking as much anymore and and my neighbors i'm grateful for all my neighbors so, so i just invited everybody in the, on the street to come to my house for thanksgiving and they were like what what do we bring and i'm like I don't do dessert. So you bring dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so we had this huge meal and it just grew every year. And so now come about October, my neighbor right next door will go, uh, he'll say, so what are we having for Thanksgiving? And I'm like, oh, you're coming? Were you invited? And he just cracks up, you know? And I was like, yeah, well, you know, I'm having what I always have, man. I'm very predictable when it comes to that. But I said, come on. And we just, we sit around and we visit and we find out what everybody and it's, it's just, it's, you know, it's not, it's not breaking just bread, but it's just, it's, 
a community thing that really builds stronger bonds. And that same neighbor. Um, did you say bread? I did say bread. I said bread. Okay. You, yeah, it was. We were breaking some bread. We were breaking some turkey bones and dressing and all that good stuff too. But mm. they, they gave me. They had grandson at the time who had a lot of respiratory issues. Of course, we had no power and there was debris everywhere. So uh, they wanted to give their daughter some money to take him down to uh, his dad's house in Central Florida and stay there for a few days because we had no power for almost a month. And oh. um, yeah, it was fun. And and um, so I said, well, we're going over an hour away, though. There was power an hour to our east. And so I said, well, I'm going over there and I'm going to meet my daughter and we'll we'll go get some supplies, you know, more tarps and extension cords and all that stuff. And so he comes up to me and gives me his debit card and he gives me his pen number and says, I need to get your neighbor did this. Yes. He said, I need to get cash out for Elena. And I'm like, OK. And I, he's in a he's a sheriff's deputy and firefighter and everything in between and uh <coughs> excuse me and he i was just floored and when i went back into the house where my daughter was uh she'd come to meet the insurance jester that's a whole nother pro, uh show but he i just i just broke down and started crying and she's like hugging on me and i was like i can't believe he's asked he's trusting me with this and I said, well, how much money do you want me to get out? And he says, get whatever you can. I was like, wow, because we had no ATMs because there was no power. We had no gas, no ATMs, nothing. And I went and did that. I mean, I just was like boo-hooing the whole way over there because <laughs> that level of trust was just so overwhelming to me. Right. Yes. And you don't see that anymore. A lot of people don't even trust their own family with their debit card. <laughs> I wouldn't. But, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that just floored me. So they, they're really special folks. And we just, uh, there's a, a little group of us that got really close after that. And unfortunately, disaster or tragedy will, will pull people together. Yeah. And then they kind of drift apart. And we've kind of made an effort to really stay connected and um, take care of each other and you know, use his tractor for fuel, <laughs> you know, but, <laughs> you know, they, I, I give them what I grow every year, whatever I have, I always share it with them and, and, you know, they're not retired yet and they're working around here. Everybody works five jobs to keep things going. Cause we're a very rural community and nobody has just one job. They have several and they farm or they raise animals or whatever else. And, um, he works so hard, he makes me dizzy. Um, and as my husband loves to say, I love work. I could watch it all day long. <laughs> so he, Well, that's so amazing, though, that you have that, that fellowship, that community. Because, like I said, I don't even hardly know any of my neighbors here. You know, and when shit hits the fan, you know, it's going to be me, Matt, and the kids. And, you know, my family that lives around here. And that's going to be it. You know? Well, there's, we don't there's have that. 
there's ways to do that, even in that kind of community, you know, um, a subdivision that has an HOA and, and all those restrictions on it is, is a dampener to that, but it's not impossible. And when, I, I mean, I lived in subdivisions before we moved here to take care of my dad before he passed, but it, there's something about being outside and doing something and being friendly, like what you did with the kids today. You know, if you were working out in the driveway or the front yard or something, then that draws interest, at least from other kids and right. perhaps their parents and their family members. And it could be at something as simple as just saying, hey, there's something going on at the mall or this location or something. We're taking the kids. Would you like to come along? And it, it be, we're, we're so unused to doing things as a neighborhood and as a community that it seems very foreign. And we don't want to extend an invitation for them because we don't want to be rebuffed. You know, we want, you know, we're protecting ourselves. We don't want to be hurt. So, well, when we moved in, what were you here for about three or four years? I tried getting a block party together and I went around to, you know, the local streets around us and I posted in our, our neighborhood group and we, we had about what, 50, 60 people show up and, you know, it's just trying to get to know the neighbors. And, and it was like, even after that, everybody just went back in their homes and they might wave to you. It's another thing. I waved to everybody. I got a big smile on my face every day. I got yeah. Jesus in my life. I'm happy. And you wave at somebody and they look at you like you're crazy. Like, who are you and why are you waving at me? You know, and it's just yeah. like, there's just no sense of community here. And it's really sad because we live in, you know, like a, a family neighborhood. There's a lot of young kids and middle school and even high school kids. And people even like to see people walking their dogs sometimes. It's like, that's rare. You know, it's like nobody wants wow. to come out. Nobody wants to walk past your house. It's just, it's so crazy. Like we're living in the twilight zone. Mm. Yeah, there's, that's, that's really weird. And I don't know if that's being in um, a larger city or not. I don't know if that's a cultural thing since you're up in the Midwest. Um, I mean, my father-in-law lives in Fairfield, Illinois, and that's like in farm country. And well, the, down South over there, they're, they're a lot different. Like Chicago should be its own state truly because <laughs> we, we live about an hour away from the city and we're just right on the outskirts of like where it's all blue. Like we are a red County, thankfully. Um, but the further down you go from here, the more things change, you know, it's like the actual state of Illinois, not the state of Chicago. So, um, you know, it's like, we're right on that border. And I feel like, you know, I don't know if it's just the Chicago North, central Illinois. I'm not really sure what it is, but people are just not very friendly anymore. Uh, you know, they're all still in their COVID super, you know, there's, they're still, they're still being fearful because they were told other people were dangerous. And right. The, clo the closer you are to a city, the more prevalent that was. Um, oh yeah, for sure. So, it's like not afraid that everyone is afraid and untrusting. Yeah, because they were programmed to be that way, you know, especially with COVID. It's exactly. terrible what they did, especially to children, little kids. You know, you see them like we've got a four year old and she was used to seeing everybody masked up. We didn't wear masks, but when we'd go someplace, she'd see these people in masks. And imagine how terrifying that is for a little one, you know? It's 
crazy. All for nothing. That, that, yeah, <laughs> it's cra- it's it's cruel and it's uh, it's insane, and it's uh, all about people and getting people to uh, to bow to some mysterious authority that's really far away. And I guess I grew up in the '60s. I, I am, you know, that movie Jesus Revolution. I'm going. My daughter's yes. taking it. Taking me to see it tomorrow for my birthday. Oh, it's such a good movie. I love it. I went with my mom too. Oh, cool. And this is my history. This is, I came to, I was filled with the Holy Spirit in 1971. So right at the heart of all this. So this really, this really has a lot of impact on me. And we are here today where we were then. It is, it's almost the deja vu for me is really weird that this feels like that time all over again. And yet I'm very hopeful because that that revolution of simply coming to Jesus, not going to church, not filling out a form, not doing a certain activity, but just finding out about Jesus is what I see happening now. Their people are so thirsty, so hungry. Oh yes. God, that this this the there is so many the the fields are not just white with har- for harvest. They're like snow blinding white. And just saying hello, how are you? Glad to see you. Thank you for your help. God bless you. I mean, I've had people I do that and I've had people start to cry. Cuz nobody's nice to them. Every you know, they see the world as a very ugly, cold, dangerous place. Yeah. And when you take your little bit of sunshine and walk down the neighborhood street, that people are either fearful of that or they're drawn to it. And it's it's not, I'm going to do this one time. It's that daily commitment, just like when you read your Bible, when you pray. All these things we do yeah. regularly, they are the things that keep us going. And they are the things that that draw us closer to God and therefore light the way for somebody else. So, uh, you know, I'm some days I'm really, really optimistic and some days I'm not as much so. But regardless of what happens, you know, I'm going to take me, my rebellious self and my snarky stuff and I'm just going to keep moving. You yep. know, because it's harder to hit a moving target. Yeah, well, exactly. And, you know, like we always pray before meals and I don't know if I shared the story before, but we went out for Chinese one night and we always say grace before we eat and we sat down and there was a family across from us. And uh, when they got up to leave, the lady came to me and she approached me and I was, you know, thinking the worst. And she's like, I just want to tell you how beautiful that was. And I had tears in my eyes. My husband asked what was wrong. And I just said how beautiful that was. And so maybe that will pass on to them and then they can pass it on to other yeah. people. The thing I think we've all been bullied into being quiet, you know, because it's like, oh, being you know, like a Jesus freak, as Not Afraid said, you know, they're terrible people and now they're trying to label us as terrorists. But you know what? We got to quit allowing them to do that to us. And we have to stand up because we know that through the power of Jesus, anything and everything is possible and they cannot defeat that. And they know. It. And so we have to change that mindset. And little ones, I think, is just so important because this is what's going to shape our future, you know, and I will never, ever, not one day in my life will I apologize for loving Jesus and showing it to the world because that's what we're here to do. 
And if somebody has a problem with it, I'm sorry, you need to look deep down inside yourself and see what's going on there because I'm not going to be ashamed. And I'm not, I never will be. And I don't care. You can persecute me. You can do what you need to do. But till the day I die, I will preach my love for Jesus. And I hope that my kids pick up on that and they will do the same because we've got to stop this. And that's the only way we're going to do that. That's true. And we have a real obligation to the next generation, the generation that you're raising with your children, that we to model that Christ-like behavior, not because it's something authoritarian, but it's because of who we are. It just overflows. That love of God just is going to come out. And oh, yes. if, we, if we do that, and it's the simplest thing sometimes that touch someone, because you never know when you meet someone, or even if someone you know kind of a, a little bit well, you never know what your words, your actions are going to do for them, how it's going to change their life. And there are so many opportunities that we have to share Jesus with other people. And we, like you said, feel like we can't or that it's not going to be received and is we just got to be like little children and just share the love of God wherever we can and you know go hang the consequences right yep absolutely and so many people want to give Christians such a bad name you know because you always have that those few people who say they're Christian and they just do not Christian things you know and so they, the powers that be, they focus on that and they feed on that. And like, look at these Christians are so evil. But all the real Christians that I know would give you the shirt off their back. They would, you know, give you their last dollar. They would give you their last bite of bread if they had it, you know, because that's what Christians were taught to do. And whatever they're trying to push today, you know, even in these churches, you, you just hear all these crazy things and people just being so mean to one another. That's not the Christian way. You know, Christ, he, he went after, he sought the the sinners, you know, the, the prostitutes and, and the lepers and, and all of those. And we need to be doing the same thing. Those are the people that we should be reaching. But instead, so many people want to, you know, just. Well, hang the fruit. Yeah, right. They'll just, you know, attack. And not me. I love everybody unconditionally. I don't care if you're straight, if you're gay, you had a weenie snip. I still love you as a brother or sister in Christ. You know, I may not agree with your lifestyle, but I'm not going to hate you for it. And that's where they try to manipulate everything. They try to manipulate the, the, and it's just Christians that they come after, you know, and it's that right there is just enough proof to say, look, they are coming after Christians. Why don't they go? It's because look at the Muslims. Why don't they attack the Muslims? Because the Muslims hand out the peps. Well, (laughs) it's because Christ is, Christ is the true savior. It's like when you go to Saudi Arabia, they're like, oh, well. It's a terrible place. It's horrible. And it's like, oh, well, it's just, they, they sit in their ways. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I truly believe, you know, we see, we see the world changing. And I believe that God is separating uh, the wheat from the chaff right now. You know, we, we see it. And the true colors are being shown. The real Christians are coming out and the real evil ones are coming out. And they're not hiding it anymore. They're coming after our children. They're coming after our Jesus. They're coming after everything that is good. You know, I mean, look at what's going on here in Ohio. You know, you've got these people, the Amish especially, where that East Palestine, there's a lot of Amish there with, you know, they just mind their own business. They have nothing to do with the government. 
they they grow their own food and you know i mean you see when we go to the zoo in ohio you see the amish come and they're wearing their little house on the prairie clothes and they live their best life truly you know I think it's cool when i watch them move a barn yeah you've seen the videos of the movie and that's just it they don't need the technologies and the things that we have today and they know better and so they're going after them just like they went after the natives the oh, natives knew how to use the land rant about that like the disconnection of, of the american population or just any american population i mean they're the easiest ones to to hit but um just just the youth in general i'm like uh, some of my friends, I was like, you just don't sit there and think about it from a, a general perspective. I mean, I mean, look at California right now. They, they know so like there's people begging uh, the government to help out. And, and then Newsom's taking personal travel vacation right now because there's snowed in and there's like no food on the shelves. And it's like you should be able to have fundamentals and be able to survive to some cer certain extent. Right. I mean, because at, at the end of the day, I mean you look at the biggest means of communication and the way that people pull things off is off the internet. And if you don't know, I mean, well, we were just starting a fire upstairs, you right. know, and I'll teach my kids how to do that. Um, but like, if, you know, like my buddy, I said, if, if, you know, there's a big solar EMP, right. It's mm -hmm. like the sun had a hiccup and it just sent a massive solar flare and you were the side of the earth that was facing and you got lambasted. There's no communication no. and nobody talks to each other. <laughs> and uh, like it would be a weird conversation like you know coming out of the house the electricity's off you, you think about it in the subdivision you have no control over your electricity you have no control over your water uh it would be mass panic chaos. yeah at it that point in time chaos. and everybody would be like having like mental breakdown it would just be a, a very uh well, look at what happened when there was no toilet paper. Look at how everybody panicked. That was just a test. There were about four that. or five people that I got about to get the hands in the store. <laughs> I told I that one. I, I, was, I never thought I would see Black Friday in the grocery store over toilet paper. Right. And the turkeys, too, when all that was happening, the turkeys, women were in the store fighting over turkeys. I remember the dude came out and then Jewel was like, hey, uh, he said, you, you, you're just kind of are not doing anything. You're not acting crazy and, and all this other stuff. He's like, we got a couple of packs of toilet paper in the back. <laughs> Here's one. <I> remember. <laughs> <laughs> he came out and it's like, a, what's the other name for it? Uh, uh, no, there's another name. Anyways, Albertsons. Is Albertsons yeah. yeah, so he came out of the store because we needed toilet paper. I mean, we got a lot of little butts here to wipe. You know, we actually Absolutely. needed the toilet paper. And so he, you know, he's this big guy, 6'2", 280. And he goes in the store, you know, and he comes out with two packs of toilet paper. I'm like, how did you get two packs of toilet paper? Everybody else coming out. And I had a lot of hateful eyes on that day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that, I mean, look, at that was just one simple thing, toilet paper. It wasn't like medicine or gold or anything, but you'd think it was. Yeah. And I think that was just a test. They wanted to see how people would react in certain areas. So, like, let's say our area, we've got less people. But how did people react in Chicago? How did people react in New York City? You know, they were just trying to get a feel of when stuff does hit the fan, how these people are going to react. And they got to be prepared for that. And that's where you, like, look at the government involvement at that point in time. Uh -huh. Because those large those large cities, they rely on, on government right. at that point in time. I mean, whenever, if something was to happen in the city of Chicago or San Francisco, wherever the case may be, that's going to where all the aid is going to be pushed. It's not going to be pushed out to like the little rural areas and stuff like that.
Right. And that's oh, just, yeah. you know, the reality of things. If we were to have a, like a, a mass of something that happened in Illinois, Chicago would get all the attention. Well, of course. And everything that we have here, they would give to Chicago because, you know, like I said, it's the state of Chicago here. Um, but and that brings another thing. We were talking about the solar farms. And we've already got what two solar farms here in yeah. this county. Oh, before you get to go into that, like for right. this, there's a there's a documentary of a crumbling America, right? And there's like a very ominous thing that he said. So they said whenever you see uh, there was a bunch of trail uh, train workers who said whenever you start seeing major issues with the train cars, the bridges will follow. Yeah. Uh, so that was uh, yeah. that that documentary stuck for me. The guy was. They were calling the guy like a tinfoil hat uh, conspiracy yeah. theorist because he was like, uh, he said, whenever the, the real cars start going, he's like, watch the bridges will go afterwards. And that's what's coming. So they're going to take out all the train tracks, right? And then they're going to take down the bridges. So they're going to force us into these 15-minute cities one way or another. You're not going to be able to leave. You're going to be stuck. Yeah, I'm going to force you into 15-minute cities. Oh, we will have flames being thrown. I got about and four or five seeds. friends that I, I got. <laughs> I am not. I mean, no. Yeah, <laughs> right. They don't call me Punky Beaster for nothing. I'm not getting the flamethrower. <laughs> oh, I'm getting two. I'm going to be dual wielding those flamethrowers. You just don't know. Fill me up on this side while I'm shooting. How are you going to chew this? your ice? I'll be all right. And <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> and taco on the other hand. Like, no, I'm taco. Just... no, the taco is going to be in my mouth when I'm dual wielding these flamethrowers. You're, You're going to be like, uh, was it Arnold Schwarzenegger when he had the big cigar in his mouth? <laughs> yes. so you're going to have a taco. taco. Oh, That's no. right. <laughs> If they mess up my tacos, though, there will be World War Three. No, what's the uh, oh Empress of Tacos? I would never right. deign to remove a taco from your I was tiny dainty. Trying hand. to learn how to make tortillas the other day, and I'm like, these are like hockey pucks, so I have to get a better recipe. I don't know that that was just not working out. I'm like, Lord, please just direct me how to make these tortillas, because if I am without tortillas and tacos, it's going to be a sad day and run here. Well, I sound, that sounds like it needs to be one of your preps, girl. Yes. Definitely the tortilla making ingredients. Once you get yes. Well, I got the, the masa for the, the corn, but I was just trying to make flour because that would be easier than the corn ones. But once I get the, the flour tortillas down, then I'm going to do the, the corn tortillas and then we'll be good. Then it's like, all right, Lord, you could go ahead and, and send it out. Oh, you, got, you know, the catalyst for World War, War, and World War II and then World War III will be your lack of tacos. That's will right. Be the, World War Three started because a girl with, with some flamethrowers didn't have her tacos. Don't mess with my tacos now. You can mess with my toilet paper. Just leave my tacos alone. I'm going to say something really bad right now, and I'm going to refrain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> direct correlation between tacos uh, and toilet paper. But yeah, well, on. this is not Taco Bell tacos, all right? So. Oh, I, I know. I know. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, it really, it's so, we're seeing all this stuff happening, right? We're seeing the derailments and we're seeing, you know, they're poisoning all these just explosions and we're putting all this stuff in, in the air. Like, it's so obvious what's happening. And a lot of people are, oh, you're just a conspiracy theorist. Really, how can you not logically see what's happening? And, and Because everybody's locked in on sides. This is where me and you part ways sometimes. So like my whole demographic is not on any kind of political party. I mean, I mean, I view Donald Trump the same way I and him with Barack his freedom Obama. cities. I'm not even about Trump, okay? <laughs> so it's I'm like, an establishment. That's what I am. <laughs> it, it's I, I said someone a different buddy. I said if everybody just took two days and just stopped arguing, bickering about everything, 
and use the internet for what it is, a tool and a resource, and then historically looked through C-SPAN and, and picked a senator or some governing body and looked at all the political promises that they've made and how their path was supposed to be a very straight one and how it turned into a, a windier road than a mountain road. Mm-hmm. Like, and they don't even end up where the hell they're supposed to go. No. With no explanation, like there was uh, there was journalists arguing about the whole uh, uh, the Russell Brand thing where he was on, uh, you know, that one talk show host and he was arguing with the guy from MSNBC and everybody literally in the Twitter comments, journalists and stuff. And they're like, there's nowhere where anybody said that uh, that the vaccine would ever cure it. And it's like you yeah. voted for the standing president or whatever the hell you want to call him. And he literally said yes. that at a town hall meeting. Yes. And literally. you just literally looked right over it. Yes. Like it was nothing. Like it didn't exist. The and director then, of the uh, NHL and or the person that wrote this was some journalist for some news organization. Right. Like, like it never happened. Oh, no. No. They're going to erase that from history. Pretend like that didn't happen. Because they know it's BS. But, of course, you know, the people aren't going to bother to take the time to look it up. They're just going to listen to what the fake news tells them and just take it for, you know, fact. Yeah. But yes, the president of the United States, the one that's supposedly in office right now, he did say, if you get this vaccine, you will not get COVID. It's 100% guaranteed. Then uh, the people, you know, all these big wigs with all the medical, you know, the experts, they all said the same thing. Well, that one panel, because it's like uh, like living in deja vu, like she said. I mean, you got was it Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking about running for it to be the Democratic oh, yes. nomination. Did you guys hear about that? <laughs> Yeah, so I've heard rumors, yeah. Oh, yeah. he he came. He said he got the green light from his wife uh, to run uh, as a big option for, against uh, Joe Biden in in 2024, which is interesting because there was no like typically by now, whenever you see a, a political race coming up, uh, you're going to see the the big ones being pushed out front, right? This is the limelight. This is the time to get the engine started, getting the hype train going for both sides. Uh, and there was, there's nobody on the left, and the left does not want Joe Biden going back in. No. Uh, if they do, and then like, and if you even if you look at the right, like right, you can say, all right, the scientist is going to to run. And I told my buddy, I was like, if if for whatever reason the CPAC does not give Donald Trump the nomination, the nod, he will literally take his 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 fan base and tell them not to vote at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm it's not like voting it's, anyways. Well, it's like you know, it's not an option at that point in time, but it, it, it's it's reckless in that whole regard. It's like they, like like toddlers throwing fucking tantrums. At that oh, point. you they dropped drop the f bomb! Oh it, lord! <laughs> but I mean, it, it, you're grown adults sitting here making decisions that are dramatically affecting the future of of, of everybody, not just just one people here, and, and you know, you're. you're Drowning your children in debt, and here and complaining about the youth, and I got a lot I can sit here and complain about it. But if I was 18 years old, would I want to sit here and be in the United States where I, if I was to get out of debt, everybody would have to write a check for 247 thousand dollars? Right, right. And what about all the big wigs that that you know? What about them paying their fair share? I mean, here, so Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is considering running for president in 2024, challenging President Biden for the Democratic nomination. I'm thinking about it. Yes, I've passed the biggest hurdle that my wife has greenlighted it, Kennedy told the Crown in New Hampshire on Friday, according to reports. 
Kennedy's wife, actress Cheryl Hines, is reportedly attending the speech of the New Hampshire Institute of Politics, which for nearly a quarter century has been a must stop in the Granite State for potential or actual White House contenders. So imagine that, right? You got fat ass from our country. Oh, our state. goodness. Oh, it's, it's Can you, you won't imagine get, you won't Pritzker? Get from the fire upstairs. <laughs> Pritzker running for president? Oh, my goodness. Oh, my oh, God. Yes, until Washington, D.C. Okay, that's four. In the, oh, my goodness. You're going to need to repent tonight for all these words. Those are There's not Jesus' words. <laughs> <laughs> it get, it oh, get my hotter goodness. The color when it comes to politics, I guess. <laughs> that's one I one it's like the it's the the idiocracy of just of just man in general it's it's everybody running around in circles and everybody's really? like oh my person's better than you and this person's better than you and realistically at everything that you, at the heart of everything even if you're not religious at all you are wasting your one precious commodity which is time yeah. on yeah. stupid shit that oh. everybody could ever imagine <laughs> <laughs> and you're not, and then you, you know, you get to a certain age and you're like, Oh, what have you done in your life? You sit on the internet and you've argued about somebody who does not give a damn about you mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just yeah. it. They don't care about us. We're just cattle. We're just sheep. We can be replaced. They don't even want us breathing the same air that they are. I mean, look at the, you know, the, the one thing that Pete Boudier has to say, and he's like, well, <laughs> all we could do is we can find the, the rail company's $500,000. So Senate needs to go back so we can take more money, money from the billionaires. And it's like you, you're not getting enough money one damn way. You got to get it the other damn oh, way. <laughs> My damn, you need a five second delay. <laughs> oh my god! What happens when we get to go and talk about politics? We'll be listening to Scott. You know, for those that don't know, Scott from Bards FM. I'll have him playing while I'm cooking, and Matt will be in the background effing this. And oh, I'm like, Shh, be quiet! I'm trying to listen. <laughs> he just gets. Uh, Oh man, I'll have to do a show one time while I'm cooking dinner and he's listening to Scott. It's the funniest thing. I know we won't we'll have any beeps. That that's all no, you're gonna it'll hear. just be bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> show. It's like it's like my stad dad when he watches the University of Georgia play football. <laughs> uh, one of the most godly men I know, but the stuff that comes out of his mouth sometimes you're like, wow. Okay. Uh-huh. You know, we all got our hot button. And it, it sets us off, and you know it's good to be able to air all those ideas and and hear what people have to say. And I'm I'm just really not into politics like I used to be. And I was a I was a Reagan girl during all. I was really heavy into politics a long time ago, and it nothing has changed, and it's only gotten worse. And so I, I left politics in all of its glory about 20 years ago because nothing was going to change. And it was uh, going into Iraq and everything that happened after that, that's what set me off. I was like, I'm yeah. done with Well, it. they said Iraq is like the longest uh, war in the United States. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's so been going on for how many years? Yep. I mean, we, we, we armed Hussein in the 80s against Iran and then we're going to turn around and and do a kind of war in Desert Storm and then turn around and come back, you know, less than 10 years later and do it all over again and take him out because he was no longer useful. We took out Gaddafi when he was no longer useful. Yep, so, exactly. you know, no wonder, you know, our, our buddy Vlad 
the impaler Putin, however you want to, you know, write him up nowadays. No wonder he's like, oh, I'm digging my heels in. I know what these, I know what the government of the U.S. does. So I'm going to, you know, look out for my own interests, which every nation should do that. So it's, it's always wars. If you read Smedley but Butler, General Smedley Butler from, uh, who was a general under FDR in the 30s, and he wrote a book called War is a Rocket. It's a great little book. And he said, I've never gone to war to defend my country. I've always gone to war to yep. defend bankers' interests. And It's always like, a rich man's war. Exactly. It's definitely always a rich man's war. And so given our children and our treasure and our talent and our blood to these, these parasites is not something in my playbook anymore. I don't give them attention. No. I don't give them time. I, you know, all these news stories kind of wash over me like I'm dabbling my feet in the ocean at the beach. And I go, hmm, that's interesting. That's interesting. And then, you know, I get my picnic basket up and I go home because it's, if if we get into it, there's a, because I was such a political junkie for so long, it, it's something I have to consciously avoid getting too deep into stories and all of that because I'll just get sucked right back into it again. Yeah. And I'd rather hang out with my neighbors. I much, I'd love, I'd rather hang out with your kids, Funky. <laughs> And, you know, well, I'd rather hang out with you and your neighbors too, because the ones we got over here, they're good for nothing. Well, listen, I'll come up there and I'll do the old Southern hospi hospitality thing and we'll get them out in the streets and we'll have them partying and banjo picking and eating fried chicken and stuff in no time. So <laughs> we'll, have, we'll just have to have us a major block party and, and you can blame this. Yes. And the good thing about that is you can blame it all on me. Uh, you know, just that crazy woman from down south. She just showed up and started a party. I don't have anything to do with it. Then you're off. Well, you know, night. during COVID, we bought one of those industrial uh, jump houses, and we bought one of those yeah. industrial like jump house water slides for the kids. And I was always like telling my neighbors, if your kids ever want to come over, but they, you know, they were on my Facebook and they saw the stuff I posted, so they didn't want to let their kids over my house because they thought I was crazy. And you're you know what? That's fine. Yeah, well, you know what? Now they're starting to to see, and it's not. I told you so. Let me rub it in your face. It's now they're getting to see with their own eyes. All the stuff's coming out. The masks were no good. The vaxes were no good. None of that stuff was good. And again, you know, I, I, what did I have to gain from it? That that was my big thing. My big push during all this. I have nothing to gain. I literally care enough about you and your children, and you know the people around you to just tell you guys to. Don't do this. Just wait. Wait, you know, wait until you get the facts. Wait until you see the side effects. That's it. But no, everybody had to go rush. We're going to die. We're going to die. And you're right. You are going to die now, you know, and it's very, very sad because a lot of these people, you know, my kids played with their kids or, uh, you know, I knew them growing up or whatever. It's just they had everything to gain from this. They had to gain, you know, making people sick and getting all this money and all this other stuff. What truly, what did I have to gain? Nothing. But I was the bad guy, you know? Yeah. And then people are, and it, what amazed me so much was <clears throat> to see people who, who claimed to be Christian and yet were lining up for everything that the government was doing out. And I was, I was just 
flummoxed about how their faith was not in Christ. It was in what some authority told them. And I, the fear of death amongst that group of people just really, um, kind of threw me for a loop. I, I expected a lot more. I expected it to be different and it wasn't. And so that, this is kind of the this is the refiner's fire that it talks about in Proverbs and in Isaiah, um, where going through the fire, being tested and tried, being uh, where all the impurities are burned off of you because they rise to the top when you smelt, and that kind of thing. We don't really in this country we haven't had a lot of that experience we have not had war on our shores since the the, (laughs) what y'all call the civil war we call the war northern aggression uh but that we haven't suffered through that like other nations have and so i think it made a lot of people who were kind of already on the edge just fall into all of this fear and all of this isolation and I, it's only by bringing that warmth that we have by being a follower of Christ that's going to draw people out. It, it's, uh, you know, we, we are the people, we're the guy who left Plato's cave and we're waving and saying, look, it's just yes. shadows on the wall. Come out here and see the sunshine, you know, come play in the water, come walk in the woods. And all we can do is keep calling and some will come and, and most probably want, won't. Yep. Uh, well, COVID was a job. big, it was like a, a war tactic, you know, you, you break somebody down to their lowest point and then you can control through that fear. And, you know, so many of us who truly were stronger in our faith, you know, we didn't fear, you know, and the Bible tells us, do not fear, do not trust man. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen Uh, You know, throughout history, if you actually look throughout history, like the Spanish flu, um, you know, all of that, people died from, more people died from getting uh, pneumonia than they did from the actual, the virus, because they were wearing masks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And there's so many papers that have done, you know, and history repeats itself and they knew what it would do. So that's why they pushed it on these children. And now all of a sudden RSV and they're going to be coming out with a new vaccine for RSV. Yeah. They caused all these things by the mask wearing, and now they're going to come in and be the savior. See here, look, we got another vaccine. Just go take this. And, you know, it's very, very sad because so many people fell for it. And, how many times are you truly going to get burned by these same experts before you stop playing with that fire? You know, and it, that's what I struggle with internally is just like, when are these people truly going to wake up? When are they going to see what we are? And I have to keep reminding myself that a lot of them are not going to see. They are not going to see the same things we are because they're not meant to, you know, and it's sad. It's really, really sad to think of it that way. But, um, you know, yeah, that mark is coming. We all know it. And Wade Remington said, there's literally a mark without which you won't be able to buy, sell, or trade. And people not only continue to play smarter than God, but are willing to knowingly take that mark. And that we know that day's coming. They're setting everything up. If you, you pay attention, 
you know, you see you're, you need these passports and a lot of other countries, like you said, we've been very lucky in this country. And I believe it's because of that second amendment that's keeping us uh, yeah. free for now. Yep. But um, I don't see that second amendment being, uh, especially because now they're handing over our rights. If there's a pandemic or something to, what is it? The, the who? No. And uh, over nobody. Like well, I said last show, I don't, oh, need, don't, I don't need somebody to sit here and tell me about a second <laughs> amendment or a first amendment. I got a brain. I know I can talk. I don't need something. If I was born in another damn country, I'd say the damn same damn thing. I'm sure you would. The WEF. Thank you. Yes. So they're they're going to hand over our sovereignty to them because they know what's best for us. Also, do I? The Paps. They're going to get the Paps. That's what they're going to get. Old ass people that are going to get shot for running their fucking mouth. Oh my goodness, Lord Jesus, forgive him for he knows not what he does. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah, no, the want to come you're out of chair tonight, Matt. <laughs> you need another arm. Should should have just let me sleep. <laughs> let you're, me the you're fired up, but see, I need you to be fired up when no. stuff happens because I'm gonna need you to to do things that we cannot speak of, which we know those days are vastly approaching, unfortunately. But um, I mean, really, we see everything. It's right there. My the writing's said, on the wall. I, I just want a piece, piece, a piece of a place to rest my head and be left the hell alone. Well, that's what we're trying to get, but they're trying to take that away. In Ohio, they're burning everything down because they don't want people doing that. That's they don't want us to be sovereign. They don't want us to be free. They don't want us to live the life that God intended for us to live. They hate us. That means we're doing it right. If you're not That's on right. somebody's list, you're if you're not on somebody's watch list, you're not doing it right. That's exactly and, it. Yeah, and it, it's a tough place to be in, but it's also a place that hardens you just like going through boot camp. You get broken down to be built back mm-hmm. up. And mm-hmm. you know, you get the training you need, you get the supply you need. Um, you get a purpose and um, we need to keep keep pushing ahead to that goal, which is ultimately uh, to walk in Christ's love and build his kingdom according to his will and not what we think it should be. That's how the establishment church in this country has gotten so weaselly. Um, And, you know, it's, you know, our, our, our family of believers is the people that we can fellowship with. It can be a, digitally it can be in person it can be next door it can be across town um but that's also our tribe that we walk with that keeps us in line and we support them and it's not easy to do any of this and i i gotta give you props miss puster because you're doing a great thing raising your you know uh teaching your kids at, at home and that is uh that is a big commitment and it's it's basically putting into our children and the next generations all the things that God has taught us so that we can pass it along to them and show them the way they should walk in so that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And no matter the heartbreak we may have from the time they're born to the time we take our last breath, we know we can trust them in the God's hands and that he will restore all the things that our adversary tries to take away from us. Right. Amen. Yes. It's so important that you build them up young. 
So they have that faith going forward. Because yeah. I really do think there's going to come a day that, you know, there's many other countries, they're facing persecution right now. Mm-hmm. But we are lucky. And the, the fact that we're not really facing persecution like these other countries are. But I do believe there's going to come a day when they're going to try to come take our Bibles. They're going to label us as extremists. And, you know, um, we will be tested, truly, truly tested. And, you know, that's why it's so important now building that faith, like having that solid faith. I'm not going to give in. Uh, my kids, they, they do Awana and they're studying Bible verses. And I tell them, you know, the sword, the word is the sword. And I said, someday you're going to need to know those verses because you may not have that Bible, you know, exactly. and it's just, it's, I'm not afraid. That's the thing. I'm not afraid, but I can see where we're headed and we know that times are going to get tough. But, you know, just like God led his people through Exodus, I think that's kind of where we're headed. I think we're, we're heading for Exodus right now. And, um, you know, we might have to survive on tortillas and bread for it's like Dave 70 Chappelle years, said, but we'll be all right. When you know, like Dave Chappelle said, you know you're going to the ghetto. And you see like the residual signs, gun store, gun store, liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, we don't know what's to come. But like I said, what's the worst they can do? Kill me? Then I get to go home. I pray, you know, God's he's got us here doing some some work. And I don't think that time is yet. But I'm not afraid to die. I'm not. I will die for Jesus. If it comes down to it, I will die for Jesus. And I'm not afraid. And I think a lot of people, you know, like especially with COVID, they were like you said, they were afraid to die. That's the thing. If you knew where you were going, you wouldn't be afraid. And you trust in God. If God says it's my time to go, then I'm going, you know. And I would lay down my life for my children right now. Me too. Amen. Yes. And they're 41 and 30, almost 36. So, but they're still my, they're still my children. You know, they, they, they're in my heart. And so I would do whatever I could to keep them safe and also to bring them into knowledge of Christ. And I got one down working on the other one, giving him over to the Lord. And I know that uh, he will see him through because he was raised just like just like you guys are doing with your children, raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord, so that they know who Christ is. You're 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 modeling it in in your home, and you're teaching it to them. And they the children are so curious and they want to learn. And then we shove them into these buildings that look like prisons. You know, just regiment all the joy of learning out of them. So right. bringing them close to the home and teaching them everything from building, you know, race cars out of wood to making bread to, you know, going to the park or going out in the woods and camping. All that stuff is, that's irreplaceable. And you can't get that in a system. And it, who the heck wants to live in a system anyway? You know, I'm, I'm not a cog in the wheel. And none of us are, and we're all beautifully individual people that have so much to give. And yep. I, I, I studied human behavior science in college. I find people fascinating. I'm never disapp- I'm when people behave badly. I'm never surprised, but I'm always kind of disappointed. <laughs> really, you're gonna do that? But I find what people do fascinating and good, bad, and indifferent. And so I think if we love people 
that way, if we love people because we find them interesting, even though they may not be the people we want to be around all the time, I, I think that opens up an opportunity for us to be that example for them on what Christ can really do for someone, how walking with Jesus makes a big difference in your life. And, you know, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Philippians is one of my favorite books in the Bible. And it's the only book that Paul wrote where he didn't chastise the recipients of that letter. All he told them was how much he loved being with them and how much joy he had with them. So I want to be that kind of person. I want to be in that environment so people want to hang out and say she's funny and she's full of joy and she's happy and I I that's the people I want to be with and I want to be that kind of person for others and then when they someone says why are you so happy don't you know about COVID and World War Three <laughs> and all that I'm gonna say yes but the joy of the Lord is my strength rejoice and again I say rejoice and look exactly at you like You've grown a third eye in your forehead, but they're going to, it's amazing what sticks in people's brains when you think they aren't getting it. So you keep, you keep, you keep planting, you keep sowing, you keep, you just keep putting stuff into people. And that's right. And then You're talking about Paul and I saved this earlier. I saw it on Facebook. It says one day Paul was killing Christians. The next day he was a Christian. One day Peter was a fisherman. The next day he was a fisher of men. Don't judge someone based on that one day. If God can create the whole world in six days, he can surely create a new heart in one. And that's so true. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. I know my past. I know the things that I've done. And I also know who I am today. And every day I strive to be better than the day I was before. And, you know, it's po anybody, anybody can um, change. You know, they just have to have the right guidance. They have to, you know, like I... Uh, for me, God had to bring me to my knees before I fully submitted to him, you know, and once I did that, I let all those worries and the, the, the anger and the anxiety and the work, all of that was gone. And um, it's just when you truly do let go of that and you let God take care of everything, you are not troubled. And it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling and trying to spread that with other people. And I always say, I wish people could understand and feel that love and, and that security that I feel in Jesus, because it's amazing. It truly is amazing. And there is no word you can use to describe it other than just amazing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it, I, I look, I mean, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I say I've got a few years and y'all literally could be my children. Um, but <laughs> I look over my life and all the people that came into it and what impact they had on me, those who were believers and those who, who were not. And every experience I've had has formed me and made me to who, to where I am today. There are some I wish I didn't go through, but they are still an integral part of who I am which means this is what God wanted for me. Nothing that has happened to me has been out of his will um, in the sense of, you know, his greater purpose for me. So why would I want any other life? It, and I, I don't, I don't understand people who play at Christianity. It's like be in or out, you know, just 
cut bait or fish, as we'd say down here. <laughs> pick it, you know, pick a spot and go for it. And I really, um, really am very, very optimistic about the future because it, regardless of any hardship or persecution or troubles that come our way, we have the biggest power plant in the world to keep us going. That's, that's God himself through the Holy Spirit. He, he teaches us everything we need to know. He enlightens us. You can read a scripture today and read it tomorrow, and you'll get something else completely different out of it, which is so cool. And I really, I really want people to be encouraged. I, I want people to keep going at it. Uh, if you've got a 100-mile road march, you can't quit at mile 99. You have to push through to get to the to the next mile and then the next mile. And that's how we keep pushing through, keep making a difference, keep putting uh, the love we have into our children, our families, our neighbors. And yes, that absolutely. Make a difference. And it will it will happen. Things will work out for our good because that's what that's what God told us it would happen in his word. So. Based on that, what do we have to fear? What do we have to worry about? You know, be wise as uh, serpents and harmless as a dove. That's pretty much, uh, you know, your marching orders. Yeah. And, you know, that that's just it. We can't give up. And, you know, I refuse to, to give up on, on those around me. You know, it's like God, he constantly tells us to, you know, to plant those seeds and, you know, I do think that there's a lot of people here who are scared and they're afraid of what's to come, which if you don't know Jesus, I can see how this could be a really scary time. But, you know, I am relentless. I will keep going. And I'm not one to to shove my religion, as they want to call it, down somebody's throat. But I will preach the glory of Jesus and and how good he is and and all of the wonderful things that come along with knowing Jesus, you know, and if you want to be a part of that, I can, I can help you, you know, but I'm not going to be the one to say, well, if you don't accept Jesus Christ, you're going to hell and you're going to rot for, you know, that that's not the message that we're meant to convey. And so um, being cheerful, like you said, people want to be like that. Well, how can you be so happy during such a crazy time? Well, for one, turn off the news <laughs> Two, open your Bible, you know, start there. That's a good place to start. And, I can tell you from my own personal experience, I started studying the Bible a few years ago and I have seen my life turn around 180 degrees, just the way that I, I see life and the way that um, just my own personal, uh, like internal, my being, you know, I'm just, I'm happier and you know, it feels good waking up every day and, and thinking, you know what, I don't have to worry. God's got my back, you know, God's here with me and, you know, I thank him for another day and, you know, I ask him to just watch over those that I love and care about and our friends and um, in this world. You know, we see how crazy this world is. And I think because things are coming at us so fast, um, I think they know what we know. You know, we all feel something. And I think everybody's kind of racing the clock here at this point. And, you know, whether Jesus comes back tomorrow, 10 years from now or 100 years from now, we still have to prepare for his return while doing 
the work that he wants us to do. You know, I think we could do both. You know, we can prepare for his return while doing his work. I think that's a part of preparing for his return. Um, you know, and I always say, pray for peace, but prepare for war because we don't know what tomorrow is going to look like. And like you, I will fight for my children. I refuse to just willingly give in and, and you know, ride in those cattle cars to our, to our burning death. I'm not going to do that. But I pray that day never does come. But until then, you know, we just trust he, God, you know, he, he's not going to forsake us. He never will. And um, that, I think, is the message truly that, that needs to be heard around the world. You know, know Jesus and you'll be fine. But there's not enough of that. And so I really believe that God brought all of us in the Bards family um, together. You know, I, I do believe Scott always says we're the remnant. And I believe that. I really, really believe that we are the modern day disciples and um, there's a revolution definitely going on. Everybody feels it. And I've seen more people turn to Christ in just the past probably six months of my whole adult life. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. And you're right. You put your hand to the plow and you don't look back. You keep looking forward, but you keep doing the work that God calls yep. you to do. So, yeah, you're, you're right on without that one, sister. Yep. Well, 1130. I know it's later there for you on, on the East Coast there, and people are getting ready Actually, for bed. i got to go to church in the morning. Matt needs to go. He needs to go get right with Jesus after tonight. <laughs> needs to do a little <laughs> repenting there, huh? Yes, he does. It's heated some of the conversations we have. And I'm just like, oh my goodness. Settle down, Matt. Settle down. <laughs> just, oh you, boy. But I love awesome. him. He he really he's he's a good guy and you know he's seen some stuff and he's seen different parts of the world that I never got to see. And so I'm sure his perspective on the world is a whole lot different than mine. But um you know, it's just I couldn't imagine I always say I got Jesus on my, my right side and Matt on my left. So I'm good. Go. I'm gonna make it through this. So oh, that's that's amazing. Yeah, that's always a good feeling. Yes. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. This has been awesome. I know this is a late time for you, but anytime you ever want to come back on the show, you are always welcome here. I love you. You're you're just you're just a great person. Everybody that I know from bars, I just feel like like we've known each other for forever. You know, it's it's a good feeling because some of these people I got around here, I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> I just wish we're all closer. Well, it's that the spirit witnesses one to the other. So it's it's like one psychopath. This is a bad comparison. But you know how psychopaths kind of figure each other out? Well, we're on yeah. the good side of that spectrum. The Holy <laughs> Spirit responds to the, like I said, hey, it's late, man. It's the best I could come up with. Yeah. <laughs> but oh, yeah, that's goodness. true. It does. It, you know, the spirit speaks from one to the other. So it is a beautiful yes. thing. And uh, you have all my uh, respect for what you're doing well, thank you. and all the, all the many ways you're, you're, you're uh, keeping the fate and doing the good work. So keep it up, man. It's awesome. Besides, well, you got to love a taco. You got to love a taco wielding, flame throwing uh, mama. You know, that's, that's right. I would never mess with. <laughs> yes. dangerous that's why i'm dangerous all five yes. four of me you know <laughs> oh, <my> goodness. <laughs> oh goodness well again thank you so much anytime you you know you're always welcome back here and um 
really, I just really appreciate you coming on and talk with us tonight. This has been great. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed it. God bless you. Yes, God bless you too. Um, speaking of God, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, close this in prayer here. Unless you like to do the prayer? Sure. I'll be honored to. Thank you. All right. Let's uh, come together and bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you for this time together. I ask that you bless um, Punky and Matt and that you keep their marriage strong and that you continue to allow them to pour all their heart and soul into their children. What a blessing that is. Father, we ask that you be with anyone who is um, suffering it any, in any way tonight, whether it be weakness or sickness in their body or stress. Father, we ask that you just give them the comfort of the Holy Spirit to be with them and lead them to where you want them to go. And Father, we ask that you protect and bless all of us here in Bard's Nation, that we can be together across the distance because your Holy Spirit knows no bounds and that you have died for us on the cross, uh, Jesus. And we thank you so much for what you've given to us. And we ask, Father, that you continue to help lead us and give us clarity in what we should do for your kingdom. And Father, I thank you for all that you do for us, and we praise your name, and we give you all the glory for all the things that are in, in us, for us, through us, because of your amazing love. We ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Um, thank and thank you all for joining us tonight and for those who will um, listen later on. Um, if you ever have any questions, uh, just, you know, finding Jesus or anything uh, you want to come on the show, please feel free to email us at the casting lots podcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, I, I love to hear other people's opinions on things. You may agree or disagree and that's okay. And that's what this is all about. You know, finding the common ground and, and casting lots, you know. Um, so again, thank you all who are here live with us tonight. I wish you all a great night and um, God bless you all. Love you all. Good night. I'm sorry, but I don't want to be a, an emperor. That's not my business. I don't want to rule or conquer anyone. I should like to help everyone if possible. Jew, Gentile, black man, white. We all want to help one another. Human beings are like that. We want to live by each other's happiness, not by each other's misery. We don't want to hate and despise one another. In this world, there's room for everyone, and the good earth is rich and can provide for everyone. The way of life can be free and beautiful, but we have lost the way. Greed has poisoned men's souls, has barricaded the world with hate, as goose stepped us into misery and bloodshed. We have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. Our knowledge has made us cynical, our cleverness hard and unkind. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. More than cleverness, we need kindness and gentleness. Without these qualities, life will be violent and all will be lost. The aeroplane and the radio have brought us closer together. The very nature of these inventions cries out for the goodness in men. 
cries out for universal brotherhood, for the unity of us all. Even now, my voice is reaching millions throughout the world, millions of despairing men, women, and little children, victims of a system that makes men torture and imprison innocent people. To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass, and dictators die, and the power they took the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think, and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men, with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines, you are not cattle, you are men. You have the love of humanity in your hearts. You don't hate, only the unloved hate, the unloved and the unnatural. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but all men in you. You, the people, have the power. The power to create machines, the power to create happiness. You, the people, have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Then in the name of democracy, let us use that power. Let us all unite. Let us fight for a new world, a decent world that will give men a chance to work, that will give youth a future and old age a security. By the promise of these things, brutes risen to power, but they lie, they do not fulfill that promise, they never will. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. Now let us fight to fulfill that promise. Let us fight to free the world, to do away with national barriers, to do away with greed, with hate and intense. Let us fight for a world of reason. A world where science and progress will lead to all men's happiness. Soldiers, in the name of democracy, let us all unite!